0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome once again to another episode of So Married a Horror Fan. I'm one of your hosts, Simon. I'm Lee. And uh, this is episode 125. It is another glorious bank holiday here in the UK. I say this on a day when it's sunny, which means today, when this episode airs, it's probably going to be rainy. That's how bank holiday Mondays go. But uh yeah, thanks to King Chucky 3, we have an extra day off work this week. So that's good. Um we hope everyone's keeping safe. We hope everyone's having a good time whatever you guys have been up to. Um as always, thank you for the continued support on our latest episodes. We put out two episodes last week, one on Christine to kick off our John Carpenter month and one on our best top 5 celebrity cameos in horror. So thank you for checking those out. Uh, as always, with uh, social media being as algorithmically stunted as it is at the moment, if you like what you hear, follow us on social media, pod on Twitter. So I'm a horror fan, all lowercase, all one word, Tumblr and Instagram. You'll find all the links to all of our stuff on there. What I would say is at the moment with our posts being the way that they are on social media and our reach not being what it used to be, is if you find something that you want to listen to us on or follow us on, hit the notification bell just so that you'll be notified every time an episode drops or a post drops. Um, It just helps you to keep a touch of what we're doing and obviously it helps us to know where our audience is. Um, But today we are continuing John Carpenter Month. Uh, We are rolling along with our second episode where we are looking at the 1982 film... The Thing.
1: We are indeed.
0: Which I am very excited about. Uh, All hail bearded Kurt Russell. Hmm. Um, Before we get into the ins and outs of this episode, do you want to do the one thing that we pay you for?
1: Don't pay me shit, but sure. Hey! So, The Thing, released in 1982, uh, written by Bill Lancaster, based on a story by John W. Campbell Jr. It's a fucking name. Directed by John Carpenter, obviously. It's John Carpenter month.
0: The only JC that matters. <laughs> <laughs> that that joke, for us personally, works on so many levels. Uh,
1: so Castle Eyes, we've got Kurt Russell as McReady. Winford, no, Wilford Brimley as Dr. Blair. TK Carter as Knowles? Knowles.
0: Knowles. I guess you say it like how like people say New Orleans, Knowles. 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 I think.
1: Uh, David Clennon as Palmer, Keith David as Childs, Richard Dysart as Dr. Cooper, Charles Hallin-Han, Hallahan sorry, as Vance Norris, uh, Peter Maloney as George Bennings, Richard Masseur as Clark, uh, Donald Moffat as Gary, Joel Pollis as Fouchers?
0: Fouchers, maybe?
1: Fouchers, I don't know how he pronounced his name. Um Thomas G. Waits as Windows, and then we've got Norbert Weiser as the Norwegian.
0: Yeah, not that Tom Waits, by the way.
1: And Larry Franco as Norwegian passenger with rifle. Although that
0: would be sick if it was the Tom Waits.
1: <laughs> and Adrienne Barbeau as the computer voice. Yes. She <laughs> Which is voices
0: uh, She voices the chess machine.
1: Ah. Uh, and then Jed is the dog. Only one dog is credited, so I'm assuming it's the same dog
0: just photocopied and pasted.
1: Um, (laughs) To be
0: fair, copy and pasting is kind of a theme of this movie. Yeah,
1: Uh, so this movie was made on a budget of
0: $15 million. Yeah, all that money went to Rob Bottin.
1: Yeah, and Grace Worldwide was Mm $19,632,712, making it a critical failure.
0: Yeah, not the only sci-fi movie... To come out this year that was a critical failure also directed by a legendary director Blade Runner also says hi
1: okay uh, plotline wise a research team in Antarctica is hunted by a shape-shifting alien that assumes the appearance of its victims that's this film
0: yeah alien hits uh, control alt V <laughs> on a bunch of humans <laughs> much. is it control V or is it windows V It's control alt V it's control
1: alt C and control alt V yeah
0: or Windows C and then Windows V because that's how I do it when I'm at work. Like really? Windows, yeah, I use the Windows button and then C and then Windows button and V. I didn't know the
1: Windows button worked for that. You learn something new every day.
0: Yeah, because it's like when you know, like when you lock your laptop. Yeah,
1: I know it's Windows yeah. L, but I didn't realise it was Windows C, Windows V for yeah. copy paste.
0: Or I just right click copy paste.
1: I that's so slow.
0: Do you know what you, you can't are do? Such you, an old man. you cannot do that shit on Excel though. Excel will fuck you up if you try and do that.
1: Yeah, fuck Excel.
0: Excel's a prick um excel's
1: worse as well because you'll put something in like because i use it quite a lot for my job and i'll type stuff in and excel will literally go oh is that a date and i'm like no babes because that would make it the first of the 54th month of 2069 do you
0: know what the worst thing about excel is is like when we do certain checks at work i find it easier if i'm looking for like websites or like phone numbers to copy and paste but then it puts it in a massive font which stretches it over like four cells, and I'm like, "Come the fuck on! Can't like, can't you it. just
1: if you double click into the cell and then paste it? Yeah, it,
0: and it then it goes will like back
1: to normal
0: rather than like central justify it. It will right justify it or left justify. It. I'm like, fuck's sake, it's bullshit. I hate it. Anyway, we're not here to talk about Excel. We're here to talk about John Carpenter's masterful The Thing, um, based on the 1935 novel Who Goes There which was later re-released in 2019 as the book Frozen Hell because they found out that the original book, Who Goes There?, was actually a shortened version of a larger novella and they actually found the the, the manuscript in 2019. So they released the extended edition as Frozen Hell in 2019. Um, and this was a remake or oh, a, a re-adaptation re-adapt-a- of the 1951 thing uh, film The Thing... From another world. Um, Interesting sidebar, actually, just before we get into this movie. In the beginning of John Carpenter's Halloween, Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's. They're watching it. Yeah, I think it's Laurie and. It's either Laurie and. uh, Tommy or Lindsay and whoever is looking after Lindsay are watching it. And then in Halloween ends, when Corey is babysitting Jeremy, the little cunt, uh, they are watching uh, John Carpenter's version of the thing, which I think is a really cool little nod to. And that's the second time in as many weeks I've mentioned Halloween ends, and I will not do it next week's episode. I promise. Um,
1: he says that now.
0: <laughs> so, John Carpenter's the thing is is a, it is a copy of a copy, basically. But I think this is like class as the definitive version of the story. Now, this is a movie that you'd never seen before. I had not. But this is part of a loose trilogy. So this is the first part of a loose trilogy. Mm -hmm. The third part of the trilogy we have already covered. Mm -hmm. Um, And the second part of the trilogy we are covering next week. Um, So this is the first part of John Carpenter's, what he refers to as his Apocalypse trilogy, which includes Prince of Darkness, which is the second movie, and then In the Mouth of Madness, which is the third movie, which is like his exploration of of, like, cosmic horror and the effects of cosmic horror on humans. Mm. Uh, which kind of gives you an indication of what Prince of Darkness is going to be like. Yeah. Although, it's the one Carpenter movie I've never seen. So, mm. that's going to be interesting when we both watch it next week. Um, and I, I think you can thematically see a tie to them, even though they're not, like, directly linked. Um, but you... So, you've never seen this movie? No. Nope. But you like John Carpenter? I do. You like Kurt Russell? I
1: do. I you kind
0: of know who Keith David is. I even you know who Keith even, David Even is. if you don't recognise him straight away. <laughs> he's
1: just so young. I'm used to Keith David.
0: What have you seen Keith David in? I
1: have no idea. But Other he's than one Keith... of those actors. He's, in the, se- he's in
0: the sixth season it. of Community. Yes. He's in the last season of Community. I haven't seen
1: the last season of Community. What? Yeah, I never seen the last season.
0: Well, TV. the one with Paget Brewster in it.
1: Mm, I think I've seen like the first three episodes. and Never finished it. Yeah,
0: so he's in that. He's in Requiem for a Dream*, which I know you haven't seen. He voiced Spawn in the HBO Spawn series.
1: Uh, he's in an episode of *Leverage: Redemption*.
0: <laughs> oh, that makes fucking sense.
1: But that's not what I know him from.
0: He's in loads of stuff.
1: Yeah, he, he pops up in loads of stuff.
0: He's one of those actors. He also collaborated with John Carpenter again on *They*. John Carpenter that again on *They Live*.
1: Yeah, I'm just scrolling now. I feel like he's one of those actors that just kind of has popped up in enough stuff that my brain just automatically knows who he is. He also... Although, as I'm scrolling through this, uh, I literally the only thing so far that I've seen him in is Leverage. Oh, he was in The Wedding Year, which I have seen.
0: Although, I want to say, he has a very sexy voice.
1: He does. He's in a film that I want to see. What? Uh, You Might Be the Killer.
0: Nice. Oh, is that the one with Franz Kranz and uh, Alison Hannigan? Yes. Yeah, I I want to see that. It looks quite good. It quite fun. Son Shudder with a Numlaut, I think, at the moment. Shudder with a Uh
1: Yeah, no, I don't think I've actually seen him in that much. I'm like scrolling through his thing and I'm like, I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that. He's
0: he's one of those actors. He's like, he's a fucking amazing actor. And he just pop like, but he's an amazing character actor. So he just pops up a, like random shit like I always remember him from Requiem for a Dream because he plays like a very horrible character in that movie. So I always remember him from that and I obviously remember him as the voice of Spawn from uh the HBO animated Spawn series. Um so those are the two things that I always rec- and then obviously he's in this and then he was in Community which is other, the other thing that I kind of recognize him from.
1: Yeah, I think he's been in like a few bits and pieces that I've seen. He voices Dr. Facilier.
0: I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure he's in like a movie, like a rom-com or something, where he plays like someone's fucking dad. And it's like, he plays like someone's, oh yeah, he's the fucking dad in Something About Mary.
1: Yeah. Do you know who who he is? Do you know why? I was like, oh yeah, he's in, uh... no, surely not.
0: What? Yeah, he's, because he says the great line, how'd you get the frank above the beans? In, <laughs> and there's something about Mary.
1: So he's in Leverage Redemption, which I did just say to you. Mm. Uh, do I, I date night with
0: Sorry for the dead oh, Which her, is the
1: fucking episode? Big rig job? Is it the big rig
0: job? I don't know, babe, because I don't watch Leverage.
1: No, it's not.
0: Sorry folks, we're going Sorry. down a, we're going down a rabbit we're hole. We're going
1: now. down a rabbit hole just cause it is this episode. Shit, yeah, here is do you know who he plays in fucking Leverage Redemption? Who? Elliot's dad.
0: Is that what's his face?
1: Um Christian Kane. Oh. He plays Elliot's like foster dad oh. in uh Leverage Redemption
0: because that's well, the
1: episode where they go back to his hometown.
0: There you go. So, yeah, Keith, Keith David is a great actor. He's a he's a very good character actor. And it's always nice to see him, like, pop up and shit. And one thing I do love about him is he's, like, not ashamed of the fact that he's been in horror movies. Like, he's on one of, if not all three, of the In Search of Darkness DVD, uh, uh, documentaries. And he, like, does a lot of cons and stuff, which I think is really cool. Because he's, like, an older gentleman now. But he still does, like, fucking cons and shit. And he's, like, you know... I yeah, think... I
1: feel like he is one of those actors, though. He just pops up in so much stuff that you kind of know his face.
0: Yeah, for a long time he was the, like, I know that dude.
1: Yeah, because he's definitely been, like... My main thought of reference right now is Leverage. But he's definitely been in other stuff that I've seen him in. Because, like, his face is very distinctive.
0: Oh, bro, wait till we watch They Live at the end of the month. Him and Roddy Piper have a fucking, like... 12 minute long fist fight in an alleyway amazing it's the manliest thing I've ever seen in my life so anyway the thing you'd never seen this movie I
1: had not
0: but you are a big fan of John Carpenter ish ish Uh, so but you had seen scenes from this movie I had
1: seen scenes from this movie
0: Um, so what was your initial sort of thought process going into this movie especially in the fragile emotional state having watched Guardians of the Galaxy 3 today (laughs) that you were going into this movie like, uh, what were your expectations and what were your initial thoughts seeing this movie? Uh,
1: to be fair, I didn't really have any expectations going in. I know you like this movie, so I was a little bit like, I'm either going to really enjoy it or I'm going to fucking hate it. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: there
1: are two options on their films that you like. Um, this
0: is, this is, it's just, She's being facetious, but it is true.
1: How am I being facetious if it's true?
0: Because, like, the way you said it was very flippant. Like, there are movies that I like that you're kind of ambivalent to few. Yeah. Very
1: few. You just got
0: like, I don't really care about this movie while we go there. Yeah. Swim fan's one of them.
1: But I've never seen it.
0: Yeah, but you're like, I don't care that you like it I watch it every six No, but
1: the thing is, is what I'm saying, of all the films that you like that I have seen, Mm. I either, yeah, they're alright, or I fucking hate them. Mm -hmm. It's rare that it's like, oh yeah, I really like this film, or I'm ambivalent to it.
0: I thought yeah, you were that way with Alien. I thought you kind of just went, Alien is alright. but like... Yeah,
1: to be fair, yeah, I'm quite ambivalent on that one. Mm. I don't hate it, but I don't particularly enjoy
0: it. I'm going to bring up Alien later, because there's something that this film and that film share, and I want to I get your thoughts on it. But we're talking about The Thing. So your thoughts on The Thing. What were your thoughts on this movie? Like, you, had no, you had no pre-existing thoughts going in?
1: No.
0: No thoughts, just...
1: Just space, yeah. Um, it's an odd one. It's an odd one, because the thing is, is, it's a strange film, mm-hmm. and there are parts of it that I really fucking despised, but there are other parts that I was very entertained by, mm-hmm. so it's a really odd film, of like, the entertainment probably overrides how much I hated certain bits.
0: Let's just get it out of the open, anything where the good boys died, you hated, it. Anything
1: right? where the good boys died, I was not okay with. Yeah. Not a big fan. I should have checked the Does the, the Dog Died in the the this film. Guy. yeah. yeah uh before i watched it but i didn't which is more for me um not just that though there's like certain scenes where it's just quite slow like all of this stuff of him traipsing back and forth to the fucking norwegian bases Mm. like i know you need it for the plot but also did we really yeah like they could have just been like oh it's probably an alien Oh, we should probably deal with that. Like, I, I don't, I don't know why we had to go back and forth on Norwegian bases. Mm-hmm. It was just a bit silly, and some of the character decisions really irritated me. Yeah. Um. But all in all, there's some really great parts of this film, like the fucking tension for like the solid center of this film, where you're like sat guessing who who is the creature, mm-hmm. is fucking fantastic. But yeah, I don't I'm not ambivalent, but like I feel like it's that I like this movie. I don't think I'd go out of my way to watch it again.
0: I think there are a bunch of movies that we've watched with a similar premise recently within the last sort of year or so. And I think that like there are a bunch of movies that have this premise that don't do the premise as well. So if you look at a movie like Bodies 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 for example, yeah. where there's like a weather condition and a bunch of people stuck in a house, and they think that one of them is the killer. That
1: movie is or, trash.
0: Or more... Th-
1: Although, funnily enough, he was a veterinarian!
0: Yes. Although, more, I guess, in line with the theme of this movie, a movie like Werewolves Within yeah. very much feels like a the version Werewolves of Within this. Werewolves Within
1: does the same great central premise of like, the centre part of the film where you're like trying to guess who the werewolf yeah. is. Um, and that does it just as well because that's that's really well done and it 's like part of that
0: film the middle of a snowstorm, and okay. everybody's like super paranoid um so yeah, there are films that we've watched recently that I don't think do this idea as well now, I said to you when we were watching this, the reason why I love this movie so much outside of rob bottine's fucking amazing special effects mm-hmm. is I really like the the idea of like not knowing who has the virus. Mm-hmm. Like, I love, like, like that that whole kind of, like, guessing game thing because it's one of those things, like, where you have a movie where there's, like, a murderer or, like, a mystery and, like, mm. it's really easy, I think, sometimes to figure out, like, in a murder mystery film or, like, in a werewolf film or something who the creature or the murderer is. Whereas in this one, because of, like, what the creature is and what it's able to do... I think it makes it harder, which makes it more interesting. Yeah. Um, I think it makes it kind of like that that idea of like, holy shit, man, like, there's no real way for us to figure out who or what this person is. But like, I I find it interesting, though, because like, this is one of the things that I've always wondered about this movie, in terms of like, how they can't figure out who's being imitated, Mm -hmm. because... When the dog, the kennel dog, Mm -hmm. goes into the thing, into the kennel, it doesn't sit like the rest of the dogs, which kind of like gives you an indication that the dog is different.
1: Thing is, though, is I feel (coughs) like that's more of a case of the alien didn't have enough time to study how other dogs behave. Whereas with human characters, it has obviously spent enough time studying how humans behave to be able to replicate their behaviour.
0: I also wonder as well, is if, like, it has enough time to study the patterns of the individual person before it, like, jumps into that body. Mm. Because, like, yeah, like, humans are individualistic. So, like, every human has its own tics, voice, way of walking, conducting itself, etc. Whereas, like the type of dog that it takes over kind of have very similar characteristics. Mm. Like, if you can observe one of those dogs, you can observe, like, seven of those dogs, and bet they're all going to basically be the same. Yeah. So that kind of stuff was really interesting because there's no, like, visual clues of, like, someone... Like, you know, like a normal alien invade. Like, take a film, like, The, the Faculty, for example. Yeah. It's really obvious when the people in The Faculty are taken over... Because like that personalities change and they're like the characteristics of hu- yeah. humanists. I mean, it
1: doesn't really, they don't really address how much of it, it they replicate. Like, do they replicate their memories, modify like, behaviours and everything? Yeah. Because it could, it could literally just be a case of like the dog was like a snap. Fuck, I need to replicate immediately. Yeah, I to need escape. to like,
0: get, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. Instead of it being like a, it had planned to go into the dog, it was more of a panicked. It didn't really have time to assimilate completely. And it's just going off instinct.
0: Yeah. Rather than its actual, yeah, but it is it is fascinating that there's no like visual sort of indication of like that person slightly different. Their mannerisms have changed. Um, there is a vi- there is a visual thing in it though. Dean Cundy, the director of photography, um, said that basically any human characters have a little light in their eyes, mm-hmm. which leads into like something we'll talk about later. Um, So he kind of gave an indication that way of which characters were human and which characters weren't. But yeah, there was a lot of things. Like, I guess we should probably talk about the creature before we get really into the film. Because there's a lot of questions you had, like how many people can be affected at one time? Like, is there multiple things running around? Like you know, is it a case that it can infect five people at once, but it can only replicate one person? Yeah. And, like, the movie is not really interested in answering any of those questions. The
1: movies are never interested in answering any of those questions, babe, ever. Yeah. The amount of times I will sit here after we've watched a film and go, but what about this, but what about that, but why does that happen, but why does this happen? And our answers are always like, the movie just doesn't really care to explain. I've kind of got used to it now, to be honest, but it it still annoys me because I'm like, there's, there's the whole thing where it's like, uh, if it escapes, it could replicate the, like, infect the whole planet within, it's like 37,000 27, hours. 27,000 hours. 27,000 hours. But I'm like, but what does that mean? Is that it could replicate everybody in that time frame? Or that I could just start assimilating them so that they're capable of being replicating? What would be the point of that? Yeah. Like, there's no reasoning behind it because your assumption would be that it's doing it in order to escape our planet mm-hmm. to get back to its home world yeah what would be the point of infecting the entire planet because everyone here inf- the, the alien infects it infects to get out of where it is
0: yeah and also like this isn't the thing about alien that i was going to bring up but it it kind of bears uh sort of mentioning <laughs> Is like the xenomorphs in Alien, are, like a parasitic race.
1: Yeah, so they inf- they infect them because they need an incubation. Yeah.
0: But then, like if babies, if they were on a planet where there was nothing for them to like inhabit, like would that species die out? And it's the same as like with the thing in this. It's like you you said you talk about like it could infect like X Y and Z number of people, but then like what would be the purpose? What would once... be the end game of that? Yeah, like... because. Because they need hosts to replicate. Yeah. So, like, if they were on an uninhabited planet or a planet that was, like, filled with their own species, is there there any, like, like the physiology, does that suggest that, like, they can replicate with themselves, they can reproduce with themselves? My assumption
1: is that, because this isn't addressed in the film, is the replication is, like, a survival tactic. It's not something that, like, they do generally. It's, like, a survival tactic. Yeah. And more than likely, it's a creature that crash landed into our world. Mm -hmm. in the Arctic Circle because that's where it's found and it's trying to (sighs) escape to get because if you look the professor is building a fucking spaceship in his basement which leads to the credence that in actual fact it's trying to escape our world so more than likely it wouldn't infect the planet it just needs to infect the right people to get it back 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 to to where it needs to go yeah
0: like... Also, what do you think of the, like, fact that it doesn't have a form?
1: I find that odd. But I feel like it does have a form. We just never actually see it. Because we yeah. never see what it actually looks like. We only see what it looks looks like once it's replicated something.
0: Yeah, because it says, like, in the thing that I read... <laughs> the thing, That I read about it. It says, like, the reason why you see, like, stalks and things coming out is because that's, like, limbs and parts of, like, other things that it's assimilated over, yeah. like hundreds of years of like its existence. Um Yeah,
1: so it does have a base form, it just takes on characteristics of things that it's replicated
0: and adds it into its form. Mm. Do you know what it reminds me of? I'm gonna I, I'm gonna and I only I only put two and two together because I saw a video on Twitter of this the other day. Have you ever seen those like zombie insects?
1: Yes, they're fucking creepy. So
0: like I saw a snail the other day that had been taken over by one and it had all like the little coloured Things in its stalks. Yeah. And they were saying about how they like it, it's called like a zombie parasite or something. Yeah,
1: it, it infects itself into their nervous system so they can continue yeah. to use it even after it dies.
0: But do you know the reason why they do it? So the reason why they do it is so that they can control the snail or the slug so it will move, but they change the colour inside the snail's stalks to like the bright colours. So that it will attract birds so, so that the, bird the birds will eat the snail and so that the parasite. the parasite can replicate inside the bird's small intestines, and I was like that was kind of what this was reminding me of when I was like thinking about it so I was like, yeah, that's kind of like what this thing does. it doesn't necessarily attract people, but it has that kind of like thing of like it has like an incubation process it has like but like my my other question is like what so. As you said, we see the guy building the spaceship. Mm-hmm. So, like, what happens... Like, because we never see it in the movie. What happens once the alien has used the vessel? Like, how does it destroy or escape from the hu- like the human or the creature vessel? That's the other question I had, was because it's...
1: Well, you kind of do see it, because... Um... Uh, the doctor dies, doesn't he, while the creature's still inside it, mm. and it still controls the body. Like, it opens that cave in stomach yeah, and tops yeah, yeah. the stomach and chops other guys' hands off and then use, it grows additional limbs in the head to escape. Yeah. So you do see how it, like, it manages to...
0: Yeah, but what I was, what I was meaning, more, more rather than, like, when it's not under attack from something. I like, assume Like, if, just... if he was just like, oh, that man, I got on my ship, I'm home, like, I'm going home to the wife and kids... And he's like, I don't need this body anymore. I'm back on planet thing. Like, what does it do? Does I it assume just it like...
1: just, like, wriggles its way out of its human suit.
0: Yeah. And then what, just, like, leaves the, the person behind? Yeah. Yeah, because, like, that Well, was... it's
1: dead, isn't it? Yeah. So, either that or it pulls the replication back into itself. Because I suppose it's just a replication of its own form. Yeah. So it takes that form. Mm. So I assume we just... <laughs>
0: <laughs> I wish you guys could have seen that. It was so funny. You <laughs> It's like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. But they were saying... One of the, <laughs> <are> the interesting <laughs> things they were saying was like, on a planet, they don't replicate humans or creatures that are already dead.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Which is like an intelligence thing. But yeah, I, I really like the way the thing is presented in this movie. I really like the various different versions we see of it obviously kennel thing is not particularly pleasant no. i like norris thing which is the head with the spider legs mm. and i like the fucking one where the dude goes i can't remember which dude it is where he goes fucking crazy he's like chomping the guy's head off
1: it's windows head he chops off
0: yeah um vouchers okay. maybe vouchers maybe yeah and i was like i love the fact that he like chomps the dude's head off that's fucking great um But yeah, like, so the creature itself and the idea of how the creature moves is fucking great. And I like, you know me, I love a one setting horror movie or like a one setting movie. So like the idea of these guys being stuck in Antarctica is really fucking cool. And like, it's a really interesting because it's already like super isolated and super like out of the way. Like it's it's a perfect place for like a paranoid like, film setting. Yeah. But one question I have to ask before we move on to the characters, and this is the point I was going to make with Alien, is what is it with these movies and these people going on a mission or a research, like, thing, where they have to take an animal with them? Like, why are they taking animals?
1: See, it kind of makes sense that they have, like, a whole troop of them because they're sled dogs, they? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So, like, it makes...
1: It makes sense.
0: In this. But, like, in Alien, why the fuck have they got Jonesy? I suppose just
1: for companionship.
0: But there's, like, fucking eight people on the fucking ship. they got enough companionship.
1: Yeah, but sometimes you just want to pet a cat.
0: And he's a little prick as well. He is. So, yeah. He's a
1: cat, though. I mean, what were they expecting?
0: Big up, Goose. But, yeah, I was like, I don't really understand, like, why... Animals have to be involved in these situations, like I get it in this movie to a degree because, as you say, they are sled dogs, but like I'm just like, man, I just don't want to see like animals get fucked up in it, like no. you know what I mean I do try and avoid animal animal death wherever possible on on that note, don't go see Guardians of the Galaxy three if you're like a little bit squeamish about animals getting injured. um I'll leave it at that, but yeah, so what do you think of the characters in the movie?
1: Uh, They're all a bit fucking dumb.
0: As I said to you, they're they're men of science, not common sense.
1: (laughs) They're just all a bit dumb. Like, I'm not being funny. Like, especially after they kill um, Futcher's in the fucking dining hall, I guess he's in. Like, at that point, they know that none of them are currently being replicated because they've just killed the replicant, right? Yeah. (laughs) And then they fucking split up. Yeah. Why? Mm. Like, I am not being funny. The amount of times that somebody will go off on their own in this movie and I'm like, the sheer fucking idiocy in that situation to split up But it's the same as any movie like this. They've never seen a horror film in their fucking lives. Mm -hmm. Obviously.
0: Yeah.
1: It drives me up the wall. It really does. (laughs) Because common sense, man. Don't go alone. Yeah. Ever.
0: Like, I like the characters, though. I like... The great thing about this movie is I feel like the characters all feel like real people. Like I feel like some of them do make dumb decisions, but I also feel like in that situation, like a lot of the decisions that they make would be such decisions that like normal people would make. Um. But like my fucking argument is, they 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 do two of the dumbest fucking things right up front. They when they see the kennel thing, they see something fucking eat what three dogs because two of them get away, don't they? Two of the good boys get away. And then and then get killed later. Yeah. And they see this fucking creature and they burn it for like 2.5 seconds. They do
1: not burn it for long enough.
0: Um, But they've also, prior to that, got the fucking corpse from the Norwegian place, which has got the fucked up. You can tell. That's the other thing as well. You can tell that the corpse that they get from the beginning it has been infected. Yeah, but it got killed like halfway through transforming because it's got that weird like split two face situation going on. So you've got this weird alien fucking looking corpse and you've just seen this fucking dog like turn into a fucking Venus alien trap and you're sitting there going, yeah, man, this is fine. They're like that little fucking dog surrounded by the flames. Like, Let's is- keep
1: it and cut it open. Yeah. No, take it outside. Burn it to a fucking crisp.
0: Yeah, they're like, this is fine. And I'm like...
1: Also, the fact that they bring a new dog on... Into the fucking thing. Well, that was being hunted by a man with a gun. Let's be very clear. They let it wander around fucking the area, the camp. And then they shut it away with the rest of the dogs. Again, you are men of science. Common sense dictates that there could potentially be something wrong with that dog. Yeah. So you isolate it and you put it in an incubation. See what the fuck happens. But no, because yeah, you, you're fucking idiots. Like, and you especially don't put it in with a group of dogs you know are healthy.
0: Yeah. Like, your your first instinct wouldn't necessarily be it's infected with an alien. But there, you're like, there's got to be Has a reason. Has got rabies? Yeah, there's got to be like, a reason why this geezer's trying to fucking shoot it. Like, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because
1: like, it, could, it could have rabies. It could have, like, fucking gone Cujo on their
0: asses. If any of you spoke Norwegian, you would know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like That's fucking great. I love it. But
1: like, you're you're men of science. Like common sense. Even if it hadn't have been hunted, if you found a dog out in the wilderness, Mm -hmm. you first and foremost would put it into like isolation to make sure that it doesn't show any signs of aggression, Mm -hmm. any signs of rabies, any signs of other dog medical illnesses i don't really know a no. lot about dogs you definitely wouldn't just let it wander around your base for like a fucking day and a half and then pop it just chuck it in with the rest of the dogs fuck it what's the worst that can happen
0: and the thing is like they are obviously not uh concerned about doing blood tests on the dogs later because they do blood tests on the two little dogs that survive mm. after the other one's got all fucking thingy so, like, why didn't you do, like, a blood test on it? Like, at the very least. Why didn't you do some <coughs> kind of, like, blood test on it? Or, like... And,
1: like, and this is the argument, as well. As your argument earlier was, like, yeah, they don't have common sense. They're men of science. And I'm like, but, like, as a scientist, your brain immediately would be, like, I need to make sure this dog is healthy before mm. I decide to keep said dog. Because it could be that it has, like, a brain parasite or, like, rabies or something. And that's why they were trying to kill it in the first instance.
0: Yeah. But they don't. <clears throat> Because Clark's a fucking idiot. (laughs) He's a prick. Um, But yeah, I I do like the characters in this movie. There are... I'm really interested to get your thoughts on some of these takes about what this movie is about. So I've seen analysis on this movie about three specific things that this movie is potentially about. Okay. Outside of it being like an alien movie. So the first one is it's made in the 80s and it's a Cold War sort of thing. So at that point, like, America and Russia were at, like, war with each other, and it's kind of, like, about the idea of, like, not trusting people, like, the fear of assimilation, like, the fear of, like, the unknown, and, like, the whole kind of, like, paranoia and sort of thing that was going on in the Cold War era okay. is is one uh, analysis, that so seems like it.
1: bullshit.
0: The second analysis is kind of the one that I'm the more leaning towards. It's
1: actually seen as a remake of a film that was based on a short story.
0: Yeah. The second analysis is the one that I feel is probably the most thematically correct, mm-hmm. but I'll come back to that in a minute because I think that's the one we're going to talk about the most. Okay. The third one is obviously the Lovecraft influence, which is all about a sort of loved craft, Lovecraft's xenophobia and his sort of sense of like his monsters taking away like people's humanity and like as John Carpenter has said the movie itself is not about the fear of the monster it's about the fear of the monster taking away someone's free will it's about the loss of self rather than the fear of the actual monster which I think is what a lot of Lovecraft stories are about Lovecraft stories are about like the loss of identity the loss of who we are as a person I haven't read that much
1: Lovecraft so I can't really speak to
0: that you know living with these creatures that want to like rule us Hail Cthulhu. which is kind of like I feel like a little bit of that is in yeah. here but like the one that I found the most interesting is it's all the second one is that it's all about like the fragile male ego nah. so like there are no women in this movie no and it's all about the idea of like manly men who are afraid who are afraid to be like open and vulnerable with each other one of the things that it mentions is like the fear of home homosexuality so like the idea that like this thing is inside you that you don't know how to deal with but you don't want to tell people that it's a thing that's inside of you because you're scared of ridicule or rejection or like your fellow man turning on you but there's like an intimacy to them having get close enough to each other to like figure out who has the thing and they also said as well one of the other things that lends credence to that is like the idea of the blood test and in the 80s the only way that you could find Uh, out that someone had HIV was was like through blood tests and like things like that and it's like the fear but they said it's like the reason why Kurt Russell is painted as the hero is because he is the most paranoid of all of them he is the one that isn't going to tell anybody anything he is the one that like will go to his death not (sighs) Opening up to his to other men I
1: feel like my main issue with that as a theory is that it paints obviously homosexuality is represented in this case by the thing itself, mm-hmm. and it paints if that's the case, then it paints homosexuality as something very monstrous, yeah. which I think I have an issue with that yeah because I it, also do feel like and this happens with a lot of horror movies is people are just trying to dig for meaning where yeah. there isn't actually any. 80... It's an alien movie, guys.
0: Because eighty two, well, that would have been the height of like gay panic in America, wouldn't Ooh.
1: it?
0: But like, they don't mention homosexuality as like an over, like the big theme theme in it. It's just one of the things that is mentioned alongside like the fear of like men being like open with each other and like having those conversations because they're scared of like being ridiculed or being rejected or being embarrassed. So it's about this like idea of this group of manly men that could have this thing inside of them or ha- go through this experience, but their own stubbornness and their own like I am a strong man, I will not like let my fellow man see like who I really am, kind of thing. But they just mention the homosexuality as like a a, a potential prevent, pre- and I'm not saying that is the case at all. But it's interesting that that is like something that comes to the forefront, especially when you talk about the things like the blood tests being the only way that they can find out that.
1: Yeah, Yeah, like I get it to a degree. I I completely
0: understand what you mean. Like I can see
1: why people make that connection to a degree, but also I do think sometimes people are just so in 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 like so determined to find meaning. Especially in horror films. (coughs) Yeah. That, like, they overlook the obvious if it's just supposed to be a movie about an alien parasite. Like, it's not supposed to be any deeper than that. Yeah. It's just supposed to be like, oh, look, there's a stupid, scary alien monster that can replicate what people look like and it's going to hunt you down.
0: Like, I I think of the three theories, the one that holds the most weight in terms of what it probably actually is about is the Lovecraft one, because Carpenter has admitted, obviously... these films are like his love letter to like Lovecraft his his fandom for Lovecraft and Lovecraft's works but that's not to say that the second theory doesn't hold true and even the first first theory like I think people will always see in films what they want to see they will always look to find a hidden meaning yeah especially like years later when they look at a movie like
1: I think the thing is a lot of times when like Theories like this are built, it is looking at a film in the lens of the historical context from when yeah. the film was thing. Because, like, 82 was kind of, like, height of the HIV crisis, and, like, because it kind of started in 81, mm-hmm. uh, like, media-wise, and it was, like... So I can kind of see it to a degree, but then again, I don't know how closely this follows the plot of the original film that yeah. it was replicating. <laughs> Because it could just be a matter of fact if that was the plot that's in the book of like, a replication you can tell because the blood yeah. reacts like when it's in danger.
0: I also... At
1: which point all of those theories kind of fall apart because that was in the 50s. Like I, also, I don't even know when the short story was written that it's 35. based on. Yes, yeah, so that was the fucking 1930s. Mm. So a lot of those theories immediately fall apart. Mm-hmm.
0: I also think John Carpenter is a very smart individual and I think John Carpenter... Whether horror fans... Nowadays, people people would probably discover Carpenter's work the same way that they discover Craven's and they would call them woke. Like, they would mislabel their, like, works woke the same way that they mislabel things like The Twilight Zone. But I think John Carpenter, much like Wes Craven, which is a reason why me and you, like... Obviously, we have very different thoughts on Wes Craven, but I think it's a reason why we gravitate towards John Carpenter's works is... John Carpenter has always had a very socially conscious mind. And if you watch a film like They Live, or you watch something like Escape from New York, or you watch like any of his films, Mm. there's always that underlying thing of like what is going on at like that current time in history. Like They Live, for example, which we're going to talk about in a couple of weeks, is all about consumerism and like totalitarianism. And like Escape from New York is all about like, you know. The, the president and saving the president and like, you know, prison states and all this sort of thing. And then like escape from uh, assault on Precinct 13. So he's always had a very socially conscious mind. But I don't think that that social consciousness, I don't think he went into this movie thinking this is a movie about dudes who can't like relate to each other. I think he probably just went into this movie thinking this is an alien movie and like, I'm going to make this alien movie based on this movie that I loved growing up and this book that yeah. I loved growing up. I think it's as straightforward as that. But you know me, we've said this many a time in this podcast and like anyone that's ever listened to me talk on any of these episodes or yourself who lives with me, you know that I love looking into the deeper meaning of things and I love going down rabbit holes and stuff like that. So I will never tell someone that they're wrong for thinking that. Yeah. I just don't necessarily think that was part of John Carpenter's agenda when he made this movie.
1: To answer the question I, I did pose of how close is this to the original book that was released in 1930. Uh, so there were a few changes, the crew is a lot smaller, in the book there's like 40 of them, and this there's like 12. Mm-hmm. The creature design is slightly different because it's quite a plant-based creature in the book that feeds on blood. Nice. Uh, but, like, they were like, that doesn't really work. It's going to be very difficult to put together.
0: A, a plant based creature. I know. Does, it, I, heard that I
1: don't know. Um, it does say. Where is it? Uh, crew. I just read it a second ago. Uh, duh, 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 duh. Yeah, Well, the creature is still thawed out from a block of ice, this time in Alaska, not in Antarctica, which is another like film set, emerged as mostly humanoid plant based aliens. That feeds on blood to survive, mm. so it was partially due to special effects that they made that change. But yeah, the crew was cut down, location was changed, uh, the way to kill it was changed as well. Mm. From it was electrocution in the book, so it's kill it with fire in this because we fucking love an explosion. Uh, but the blood scene, interesting enough, because it's actually addressed in this article, is a pretty much, ex- pretty much not pretty much exactly, but is super close to how it is written in the book. The blood
0: test. scene. The blood test hey, scene. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, apart from the the blood test scene has a slightly happier ending mm-hmm. where they figure out who the thing is, they kill it and everyone's cool. World wins, good guys are great. Um, but other than that, that blood test scene basically plays out the same as the book. Mm-hmm. So I think it kind of pulls some credence from the idea of it being the second option. Yeah. Because that book was written in. I mean, obviously... <sighs> I think it pulls away from the idea of it being in any way related to HIV crisis, should I say? Because it, yeah. there's still there's still a, a, a way to basically put that forward as being like a a, a dis on mm-hmm. male ego, but also I feel like in '32 they weren't really that interested in talking about the male ego.
0: <laughs> no, I don't think so. They were
1: like men and men, women and women. Get back in the kitchen. Do you know what I yeah. mean?
0: Yeah. <laughs> and like the thing is, like I feel like I said, I feel like. If you want to take that away from this movie, you are not wrong. No, like you can s- I think the thing is, is when you come up with these theories, I think people
1: quite often forget to look at the source material of which it was put. Especially when it's things that are based on, like, historical books. Yeah. You need the context of the source material to back up your theory. Yeah. Like, if you want to read it that way and watch the film in that way, that's completely on you, that is fine. But it's not a viable theory in mm-hmm. my head, because it's... It doesn't fit with the time period in which the book was written, yeah. like, historically. Um, more than likely as well, obviously, the talk of it being about the Cold War. Again, more than likely not. It, more than likely, if it was going to represent a war, is the Second World War? Yeah. But even by then, the Second World War would have been over by thirty-two.
0: But then, but then, I guess like the other the other argument to your theory is like an adaptation leads room to be like adapted and modified for the time. Yeah, which but being when adapted. you
1: know that it's so closely related yeah. to the book and they haven't actually changed that much apart from maybe changing the location, cutting down yeah. the amount of crew members, uh, it becomes very difficult to argue that point of they've. Because they they even say in the article, it's not an adaptation or a re-adaptation of the original film, it's a re-adaptation of the book, because yeah. the original film changed quite a lot.
0: Yeah. So. I imagine it would have done just for, like, budgetary and yeah. effects reasons. And
1: but, like, I'm not saying those theories are wrong, <sighs> because those are the theories yeah. you have. I mean, don't get me wrong, I've got some fucking batshit fan theories in my head. Mm-hmm. They're definitely not true, but as far as I'm concerned, I like them and they're there and that's, yeah. that's how my life is going to be run from now on. But. I just think if you're going to put them out into the world as like, uh, oh, like this is what the film means because this is a problem. A lot of times when people say this, they don't go, oh, like I had this really cool theory. I don't know if it's true or not, but it's a pretty awesome theory. Yeah. Uh In fandom communities, they tend to be referred to as fan theory or fan like, head canon. cannon. Head cannons. Um, head cannons slightly different fan yeah. theory, but um,
0: it's all in the same ballpark.
1: Yeah. Whereas with things like this, people put them out going, oh, like this is what the film means, like, this is what the film is about. And I'm like, but it's not. It's what you think <clears throat> the film is about. Yeah. And that's perfectly valid. But you can't sit there and say, this is what this film means, because that's not true. Unless you are John Carpenter, you yeah. cannot tell me what this film means, because you know what? You're not fucking John Carpenter. Do you know who
0: the worst person's work for this type of conversation is? Christopher Nolans the amount of fucking people that I've heard try to explain Inception or Tenet or fucking... Tenet's just a fun movie where people
1: go backwards and forwards at the same time. It's really confusing, I don't... Yeah. But this is the thing, is there's so many... And they'll sit there like, oh, the real meaning behind this film. I'm sorry, did you write this movie? Did you direct this film? Did you produce it? No? Sit the fuck down. Did You You have a theory that you think this movie might be about.
0: Did you interview anyone involved with this movie?
1: Yeah, and did they give you that answer?
0: Yeah. like it's like when you, it's like when you see the worst case of this, and like this is the last thing I want to say on it because there's other stuff that I want to discuss, is when you see a movie that has a really straightforward ending, and then you'll see oh, some. Oh, do
1: this film explain? Yeah, you'll
0: see some fucking dude on YouTube or chick or person on YouTube go ending explained, and it's like I saw one for like the end of the Mario movie. I was like, what? I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" <laughs> I've seen some <laughs> fun ones over the years, like end of this. I'm
1: like, "It's such a straightforward film. I don't understand why they're like, explaining."
0: Obviously, we saw Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy three today. We did, and like, obviously, it's, the movie's been out for a couple of days, and I'd seen people like putting out videos ending explained, and I was like, "That has the most straightforward, cut and dry, fucking no amb- ambiguity at all ending." I mean, I
1: guess well, they that. Flash screen at the end of the second end credits scene, which you can hear them go. Wait, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, But like, that's not part of the ending. That's just a like.
0: Yeah, or it's like when they try and explain it, like Scream Six ending explained, and I was like. The, the the guy the guy told me why he was doing why he was why he was yeah, doing the, it like the, the guy explained it to
1: me <laughs> and I went okay that makes sense but yeah
0: like it's so and one
1: just died
0: it's so weird but yeah anyway so <laughs> this movie is forty years old forty one years old it yes. came out in nineteen eighty two um, how do you think this movie has held up watching really it for the first time
1: fucking well
0: it's so good right so
1: apparently the dude who did this the Rob social Botting. effects guy it was like his first. He was like 22. Yeah. Like his first film. And man fucking th- blew it out of the water. Or blew it out of the Arctic Circle. One of the two. Because
0: I'm pretty um, sure, I'm right in saying this, Rob Botine is the guy who did the werewolf effects for The Howling. Oh, really? Yeah, he's really famous. I haven't seen The Howling. Mm. Um, no,
1: but those special effects have aged
0: beautifully. Mm. Do you know what's really annoying? So I like this movie Quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know what's really annoying? I watched the 2011 thing that came out, mm-hmm. um, which is a was classed as a pre-make. So the 2011 one explains what happened to the Norwegian crew. Yeah. So like part of it is like obviously them finding the alien, and then the other half of it is like basically. A I don't give of enough of fuck so, about
1: finding it, but, but yes, please continue. They
0: made a version of the film. Using practical effects,
1: and then they released it with CGI, and then effects.
0: they scrapped it, and everything's yeah. like fucking CGI in it. Yeah, that sounds about right. But the movie ends—spoiler alert—if you haven't seen it—with the dog running away. So you can literally watch the two movies back to back seamlessly. So was- you
1: can see that the original is still far superior. Yeah,
0: <laughs> but like the the first, like the the first one's really funny. Like the the re- uh, the pre- uh, prequel is really funny. When you watch watch it in context of this movie, because they go on about the Norwegian crew and how fucking, like, good they were at finding this creature.
1: They're so dumb.
0: And then you watch the movie and the Norwegian crew is Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Eric Christian Olsen... And that fucking big ginger cunt from fucking Game of Thrones. Oh,
1: I do like the big ginger guy from Game of Thrones. I have no idea what his name is. And I'm like... He's called, like, Tormund, I think, from yeah. Game of Thrones, but I don't know what the fuck he's called. And, like,
0: Joel Edgerton. And I'm like, no wonder these fucking dudes got killed.
1: And they all got really bad Norwegian accents? No,
0: he's the only one that has, like, an Eastern European That's accent. That's because he is... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, uh, is he? He's like, he's, like, from one of those kind of countries. Because he's in Fast 8 he plays fucking cypher's sidekick
1: oh yeah his name is christopher hivju yeah. No, he's norwegian yeah he's actually norwegian so, guys and then the rest <laughs> of them have got
0: these like really dodgy like accents or no accent at all and like eric christian olsen's got some scandinavian in him somewhere like he is in his in his family i think i think so um <laughs>
1: I'm going to go check. But, that. like, that yeah, it's... It's
0: like I fact these checking. It's so... It's such <laughs> a weird film. Like, it's such a travesty that they made the film using practical... And it's really fucking noticeable that the movie came out, like... Oh, no, he is of Norwegian
1: descent. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's really fucking weird that the movie came out nearly 30 years after the original, and the CGI in the remake, or prequel, or whatever the fuck you want to call it, mm. looks worse... Than the practical effects look now in the in the the original one, but
1: fun fact about Christian Christian Olsen,
0: he's fucking crap.
1: So in NCIS, he is dating the character who is played by uh, Daniela Ruja mm-hmm. who was the woman who hosted uh, fucking Eurovision in Portugal. Nice. Yeah, side note. Uh, in real life, Daniela Ruha is married to David Christian Olsen.
0: He's his twin brother. Who's his twin yeah, brother. Yeah, I, I knew this. She... And,
1: and it just constantly amuses me because, like, can you imagine switching on your TV and your wife's there making out with your twin brother? Yeah.
0: It's also like the other the other thing. About, I don't know
1: if they're twins, but
0: the weird thing about this movie as well is like it flopped when it came out. Mm. Yeah, it's now like one of the most critically acclaimed sci-fi horror movies of all time. Mm. Same as like Blade Runner, both came out in the same year. Both critically panned, now both massively adored. And this
1: is why you should never listen to the critics, because they're full of bullshit. And
0: considered to be like a massively influential film. This movie has spawned comic books, a novelisation, a remake, why slash is there prequel.
1: full of it! It's based on a fucking yeah.
0: book! There was a PlayStation 2 game that came out. And they also did a thing attraction at Halloween Horror Nights. Amazing. Jason Blum announced in 2020 that Blumhouse are remaking it. No. And I'm like, cool. Nobody wants that, but thanks.
1: Back the fuck off Blumhouse. Um, I don't
0: know if that's still going to do it, but they met.
1: Are they also remaking Christine? Yeah. Oh, fuck's sake, Blumhouse.
0: Um, But I don't know if it's still happening, because it's all gone a little bit quiet on on that front. Uh, But before we end the episode, there is one one last question I want to ask you. So it's theory time again.
1: Oh, for fuck's
0: sake, okay. At the end of the movie, who yes. is the thing?
1: Oh, that's a good question. I I like my theory that, in actual fact, uh, McCready got assimilated really, really early on
0: mm-hmm. and
1: has been playing the long con.
0: Yeah. Because a lot of people base their theory on three things. Mm-hmm. One is that you can't see Child's breath, but then you do, in some scenes, see his breath. Mm-hmm. Two is that obviously McCready was making the Molotov cocktails, and the bottle of whiskey that he hands to him because you never see him drink from it, actually has gasoline in it, mm. and because Charles drinks it, that's what like how he knows that he is the thing, and then the third theory is that you can see the light that I referenced earlier on in McCready's eyes, but you can't see it in Charles's eyes, so which suggest but then they asked <laughs> they asked Keith David and he went. I could tell you motherfuckers now, he said, one of these people is the thing and it ain't me. <laughs> and I was like, my man. Um, Carpenter has said he knows, but he can never tell anyone.
1: See, I feel like everyone's just like, oh, it's Childs because McCready's the main character of the, yeah. the piece really, isn't it? But I honestly think it's McCready, And like, I know a lot of people will be like, oh, but if he was assimilated really early on, then why is it trying to kill him later on when he's like blowing up the thing? And I'm like, okay, yeah, point is taken. But also, it doesn't kill him. It Mm. lets him escape, let's be honest. And yeah, he kills the current version of it numerous times, but is that not just the long game? Yeah. And he destroys the entire base, meaning that they are going to freeze to death outside, which is exactly what the creature wants.
0: Yeah. Because there's also the other theory of like Charles having changed his clothes or he's wearing different clothes to when he left previously, which suggests that it's a new version of him.
1: No, I like, I like my, I I mean, I don't know for sure, but I like my theory that it was McCready the whole time and like he got infected super early on Mm. and has just been playing the long game.
0: So, do you? When do you think he? Because the
1: thing is, as well, is I don't think they know they're infected until they get taken over, yeah. as well. So it would make sense for a to have, because like his behavior through the whole thing.
0: But then he passed a blood test.
1: Yeah, but we had this discussion, didn't we? Of what if it's that you're assimilated, but you're not the replicant if your blood doesn't react <sighs> unless you are the current replicant.
0: So my thi- because none of their yeah. blood reacts. My theory. Well, the one dude's blood reaction. <laughs> yeah,
1: but he was the one who was currently being replicated.
0: My theory is, and this would probably lend like lend some weight to your theory is, whoever who whichever one of them it is that is the creature at the end mm. is the one who destroyed the blood, because I I think that whoever is the thing at the end is the one who got into the blood locker, and like basically put a load of blood or like the same person's blood into all the different things and then made it look like so, so so many tests would pass and then is it that's their way of like putting the blood into all the things so See, that they so that they would pass the test in my, front of everybody well no
1: because my my theory and I, I'm sticking to this theory and it seems very plausible because we know that the doc was definitely infected yeah. right and his blood passed the test mm. copper's blood Mm. So is it only when you are currently the replicant that your blood would react? Because although you have the infection in your system, you aren't currently housing. Yeah. You're you're still human. You just have the infection. I don't know. (laughs) Whereas the replicant, they kill the original host, which means that they replicate their bodies. The blood they take is actually alien blood.
0: Yeah, I don't know. So, like, at what point do you think, if you think it was McCrudy, at what point do you think he got assimilated?
1: I think it happened really early on. Mm-hmm. Like super early. On. So,
0: do you think? And he
1: got assimilated like very, very, very early in the game.
0: So, do you think a part of it was left at the Norwegian base, and that was when he got infected? Ooh, when maybe. they went, when they discover like the big block where it was in that room, and they maybe. see the guy with all the frozen blood where he's like slashed his wrists. Maybe. So, do you think? That was when he got
1: potentially, or like it could have just happened when he's on his own at any given fucking point in that movie, because none of them stay together for very. Because
0: a lot of people seem to think that if it happened, it's when you know that scene where he's outside before he threatens him all with the dynamite. A lot of people seem to think that's that like,
1: that's a good shout because he's or out when on his he's own in pages. his room, just like giving his monologue of like what is going on. Mm. He's like recording his little captain's log, star date, mm. whatever.
0: Because it would make sense if it <laughs> happened when he was on the Norwegian base.
1: But also, I feel like it has to be the main creature. I don't think it leaves any parts of itself behind.
0: Mm. Yeah, but the thing is, the guy who had all the blood coming out of him, when his blood frozen from his, like, Mm. wrist lashes like, there's nothing to say that when they, like, walked past him that they didn't disturb any of the blood and some of it came loose.
1: That is true. That is true. And the blood got in McCready. Yeah.
0: Like, there's no... It's it's one of those like things like an
1: accidental assimilation. Yeah,
0: like I think you will tie yourself up in knots thinking about it because I there's... think
1: part of me just wanted to be mccready because I think it'd be. But we had I had this conversation with you and we were talking about it to begin with. It would have been very cool if at the very beginning of the film mccready was the one who was assimilated and being replicated. And spends the entire movie, like, trying to be like, you're the creature, you're the creature, like, what is going on? Yeah. Like, everybody else is the creature, That it's revealed at the very end that it the whole time. But
0: this is, again, what I'm talking about with the blood test. He's the one that has the blood in all of the things. Mm-hmm. So it would make sense that he went and got the blood out of the locker and put...
1: But I don't think... I think the blood only reacts if you're currently the one being replicated. Purely because, like, we know they, they kills the host, mm. right? So I'm assuming it disposes of the body of the host that it's about to mm. become, which would mean that it assimilates itself, replicates itself to look like you. It doesn't possess your body human suit mm. it just makes itself look like you, so when they take the blood, mm. then it's actually the alien's blood and not the human blood mm-hmm. so if that is the case, then if you are still human but assimilated.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Your
1: blood wouldn't react. Because if you also think the doctor, not the doctor, the captain, his blood doesn't react. So later on we found find out that he's now the creature. Yeah,
0: I don't know, man.
1: Because I, I he could have got could assimilated
0: have... after the blood test.
1: But by who? Because they were all tested. Mm. And only one of them was the creature.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Like, it's hard to say, but, like, it would make sense that because because we don't know the physiology of how it works, it's hard to make the argument. Yeah, but you could...
1: I, 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 we can argue to all blow the face on here, but personally, I think you, your blood yeah. only reacts if you're currently the creature. But you could
0: make either argument. Yeah, you could make yeah, the yeah. argument that he actually, or whoever it was, did forge the blood test.
1: I mean, out of all of them, the only one who I would have been suspicious about their blood was Windows, because the way he cuts his thumb seems very odd, mm-hmm. and the blood seems to be running weirdly, but yeah. then he gets his head bitten off by the creature, so... Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's hard to say, but like that's what I love about this movie is like there's no definitive answers. And like that's what I love about the end of this movie is like one of three things is going to happen. Either they're both they're both just going to freeze to fucking death and then whichever one of them is the creature is going to go into hibernation mm-hmm. or Macready is the the alien and he's going to kill Charles and get away or Childs is the alien. I mean either way they're
1: gonna freeze because they've got nowhere to go now. Yeah. But that's what the creature wants anyway. Yeah. So
0: Or or neither of them. Neither of them. But John Carpenter has said one of them is assimilated, but he won't say which one. Mm. And like he's never he's never given anyone the answer. Like it's never been explored in a comic or a novel, like no one's ever come up with. But like there were rumours because obviously they're doing it. like, obviously this Blumhouse thing came up that they were gonna do a remake and then I've seen other people online, like, talking about the fact that Kurt Russell's coming back to do Escape from New York and a sequel to The Thing. So, fuck knows, so, like, if he comes back and does a sequel to The Thing, that answers the question once and for all. So oh, Really? Because it answers the question. It's like, if they do a legacy sequel to The Thing and bring Kurt Russell back, yeah. then we know that he wasn't the creature all along. Well, not necessarily. Yes, necessarily.
1: No. Why would that mean that? How did he survive? If Childs died in the Arctic, how the fuck did MacReady survive? Or did both of them get rescued and get brought back? It doesn't answer anything.
0: Because the thing is, if, if one of them is the alien, if, like, McCready was the alien and his body froze to death, the alien would just, like...
1: Well, no, it just hibernate within the body, and then once the crew shows up to, select, like, collect it, mm. just reanimate...
0: Yeah, but then as we've established, the creature doesn't stay in bodies that are dead because it, it... No
1: no 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 no. It doesn't replicate the already deceased because it would be obvious mm. that they're the creature yeah, if true. you know that you person's are right, dead. Yeah. So it can it can <clears throat> and the thing is it's replicating. So as long as they don't find McCready's body and mm. the entire base has been destroyed at this point, so
0: Yeah, I don't know. I just like, this, this this, thing came from one of these, like, anonymous internet leakers. I feel
1: like even if Kurt Russell comes back as MacReady and it, like, is confirmed that he's coming back, it still doesn't answer the question of which one of them was the creature.
0: Yeah. I don't think we need a thing sequel, personally. No. And I don't know how true that story is. So... But it
1: answers nothing.
0: But, yeah. So, f- what are your final thoughts on John Carpenter's The Thing and what is your score out of five?
1: Ha, so i really i I quite enjoyed this film i think the middle section of the like trying to figure out who the thing is is really fucking entertaining and so well done um (coughs) i really like the cast of characters they put together i think the acting is great from basically all of them Uh um i do like that it leaves so many threads to tug at as well like there is no definitive answers because it does make it a really it's a good film to talk about. Yeah, hundred percent. Um And there is no answers. Like we could go we could argue back and forth over so many things that happened in this film until we're blue in the face and then we still wouldn't know the answer. Like it's not like there's like a definitive oh, this is like the actual answer to that question.
0: I really want and like this is not me wishing him dead, but I really want someone on John Carpenter's deathbed to be like, Bro, McCready or Charles <laughs>
1: Who did it? Who did it? And, and him... it's it's the fucking hand shot first all over yeah. again. Yeah.
0: Carpenter's literally about to answer.
1: Beee!
0: He just fucking dies before he tells it anyone. Like yeah. But
1: then he's just like Childs or McCready and he's like, oh, Childs or Macready. <laughs> <laughs> just proper trolls though. I would love that for
0: My my favorite thing would be if John Carpenter just went fuck you and just died, just pieced out, like just never. I like
1: the idea of him going Child Childs and then just kind of. Clearly closing his eyes as if he's in, and just oh Macready <laughs> <laughs> just gone. Not that I want anything to happen to him because he's no. an absolute legend. But I just think that'd be fucking hilarious. Um, but yeah, do you know what? It's actually a really enjoyable film. Um, it's a bit slow to start, and like the ending's a bit explosions, explosions, explosions. Yeah. Cool guys, don't <sighs> look at explosions, guys.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so overall, I'm going to give it a four.
0: Yeah, four. Sounds about right. could have
1: done with like, all of the Norwegian space <laughs> shit. You could have just given me that in some and fucking...
0: I, I assume you're never going to watch the remake. Oh, uh, no, the the God, prequel or whatever the fuck, fuck you want to call it. Fuck no. So, I'm going to give you a couple more interesting facts oh, before we peace Christ. out.
1: <laughs> Ennio
0: Morricone wrote the score for this movie. Oh, and
1: okay
0: He wrote... A oh, score. I
1: already know about this, is he got a Razzie for this score, and the score that they were originally supposed to use, they used on The Hateful Eight, and it got an Oscar.
0: Yeah, I wasn't going to talk about the oh. Razzie, but yeah, he. Um, what I was going to say was he wrote an orchestral score for this that Carpenter didn't use, and he donated it to uh, Tarantino for The Hateful Eight, which I think is really fucking funny. Yeah, the... I
1: was going to say, it's a, it is a score that feels like it's a John Carpenter score, but there's something not quite right yeah. about it.
0: But then it's hilarious because the Hateful Eight is another movie about a bunch of people sitting in a cabin in the woods and not trusting anyone with Kurt Russell in it. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And the other thing I was going to mention, I cannot remember now because it's gone out of my head. Good
1: old Orinoco flow, bless
0: him. I love Morricone; he's a fucking legend. Yeah, I can't faddle remember. Away, faddle, faddle, I can't remember away. what the other thing was. It was it was something cool, but I can't remember what it was because oh, you just fucking bullshitted me with Savigny. So.
1: I think he's on uh, Orinoco okay flow.
0: Shut up! I can't remember what it was, but yeah, I think it's I think it's fucking awesome that like he gave Tarantino the scores of this movie, and Tarantino went, "Yeah, cheers, mate. I uh, do enjoy plagiarizing people, um, because that's just what John Carpenter does. Ah, uh, not John Carpenter. That's what Tarantino does. Sure, but yeah, I fucking so can't
1: stand Tarantino. So you I
0: can say whatever the fuck you want? I really, really love this film. Like, I think this movie has aged incredibly well. I think it's one of John Carpenter's best movies. Um, And I think I'm really glad that over the last 40 years people have like reappraised it and it's become the thing that it has. And like the movie that like people talk about, it got re-released in the cinema last year. and I'm really gutted that we didn't choose to cover it last year and go and see it at the cinema. But um, yeah, I think overall, like exactly what you said, like the whole trying to find out who the thing is stuff, I think is really interesting. Like... I love the fact that people don't know who it is, or they don't. That whole like trusting thing, and the idea of like you're as lost as what the characters are. That was the other thing I was going to mention. There is a line from this that became a massive meme during COVID. Yeah. Um. So you know the line where he says we're all very tired and no one trusts anyone anymore. Yeah. That became like a fucking gif and a fucking meme when anyone talked about COVID um, while we were in lockdown, and I was like, yeah. I was like, this Which feels...
1: season of COVID?
0: Uh all of it.
1: Oh final I mean, season one, I mean
0: COVID's it? still going. Like yeah. but it feels But this
1: is like that final season that just doesn't seem to want yeah. to end.
0: It feels it feels like the perfect movie to watch during a COVID lockdown because that is how everybody felt during COVID. Like, or should I say at the height of COVID, Mm. that is how everybody felt like, holy shit, man, I could be sat next to this person on the train who's got COVID and I'm going to get it and I'm going to die or whatever. So, yeah, it feels like a very interesting movie for people to have like been championing and quoting like when referencing COVID. Um, But yeah, I love this movie um, basically for all the same reasons that you do uh 4.5 out of 5 is my final score for john carpenter's the thing uh next week we are looking at prince of darkness uh starring your boy donald pleasance and uh your boy alice cooper i have never seen this movie so i have no idea what this fucking movie is i don't know
1: whenever i hear the term prince of darkness my brain always makes me think of there's a fucking joke in being human where um they're talking about, they're like, oh, the gay Dracula, the mints of darkness.
0: Lol. Uh, And I
1: can't remember why it's a fucking conversation they're having and being human, but it always reminds me of that line. (coughs) Always makes you think of
0: Ozzy. Because that's what they call Ozzy, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's something to do with like a, a gay vampire in Bristol.
0: So, yeah, next week we will be back with our episode on Prince of Darkness, which will be next Monday. Next Friday we'll be back with our crossing the stream for the month where we will be looking at no One Gets Out Alive, which I'm quite intrigued. We've been meaning to watch this movie for over a year now, bro, and I'm very excited to watch it and see what it's actually like all about. Me. So two episodes incoming next week. Thank you once again, guys, for all your continued support. We love you very much. As always, find us on social media, S-I-M-A-H-F pod on Twitter. So I'm a fan, all lowercase, or one word, on Tumblr and Instagram. Get the notifications on, get the notifications on on all the places that you follow us on just so you can keep up with all of our episodes that are coming out and all of our shenanigans we will see you in the next one stay spooky stay safe take care bye bye